HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is being brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, believers in good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly like, you know, 12.45, 1 o'clock from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, br- 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 Brooklyn. Got a full crew today. We have, uh, of course, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing? Good. Yeah? Got uh, Dave in the booth. How you doing, Dave? Doing good. Got new equipment in here. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. That's you why ever... you sounded really, really strange and different uh, this time around. But... Str- strange and different yeah. Yeah, bad or strange and different just strange and it's, different? It's new. It's new. We got. We can't be afraid of the new. Is it like what? It sounds like there's like a like a phaser on it or something. Like 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 I'm about to be you in just, like You a... scream into the mic, so it's like compressing really hard, but I'm trying to fix it right I f- now. I feel like I'm in... Uh, you, you, you're too young. You know the band The Cars? Yeah, yeah, how young do you think I am? I don't know. Like, <laughs> cars is like the you know, 70s. So anyway, and I guess 80s. They're big hits in the 80s. But yeah, I feel like I'm uh, in the song Living in Stereo. It sounds like it. Rick Ocasek. I will not. I will not. Rick Ocasek, ugly, ugly, ugly done well, right, Stas? Ugly done well. Yeah. Ugly done well. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Uh, joined with, uh, we're back to uh, take your kid to work life. We got Booker in the, in the, in the studio. How you doing, Books? <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it, I'm, I, I'm glad to be here, but unfortunately, it stinks that I can't be independent yet. Yesterday, we spoke to my neurologist. <laughs> yeah. Yo, do you want to tell everyone what uh, she said there? Or do uh, you not? She, do you want to keep it to yourself? It's I can a, tell. Okay. She said, she said, maybe in January, I'll be on my own again. That's yeah. Good. Yeah, you can't wait, right? To be independent again? You're going to divorce no. your parents? <laughs> Not that kind of independent. Oh. No. I love, she's not I'll, freaking Hermie from uh, Rudolph. Independent. Yeah. Oh, that was Booker doing <laughs> that, by so the way. good, Booker. That's very strong. That's so wow. good. Wow. good. I love my parents bad. very much. Why would I leave them? No, he just wants to be able to travel on his own college, like, he, like he used to. Like he can't, he, like, you know, he has to be accompanied 
Uh, you know, and treated like a three-year-old. Yes, yes, which is not the case. He is not, in fact, three years old. Because I'm going to be 16 in January. Yes. You can drive. Oh, yeah. Uh, No, you cannot drive in New York City when you're 16, Nastasia, little California girl. Like, (laughs) you have to be 18 to drive in New York City. Wait, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm from PA. Sorry, (sighs) sorry. You wouldn't drive anyway, though, right? No. No, he hates cars. We got uh, Matthew from uh, Booker and Dax Customer Service. How you doing? Woo! Good. How are you? Yeah, doing well, doing well. And we have uh, Ariel Johnson from, uh, I guess, from MIT now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. MIT, right. So MIT in MIT. Cambridge? Yes, that MIT. Yeah. Booker has never visited MIT because he only goes to Harvard when we go uh, <laughs> up to, uh, yeah. Yeah, He's so. a real Harvard man. Yeah, he totally is. Actually, what it is, is he enjoys the Sheraton Commander, mm. which it's is... Tr- truly a classic Cambridge it's, institution. It's the best hotel to stay in when you go to Boston. I do have to warn you, though, the elevators are tiny. Yeah, they are. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but why do you like it? Because of what? Uh, the room environment. The snack lounge. If you're, oh yeah, they've got those like fried chickpeas in the bar, and they let dogs in. Yeah, up to eighty pounds. But even though Major weighs eighty five, they still let us in. Yeah, and Booker, I'm like, I'm like Booker, just don't say anything. (laughs) And and I'm writing down seventy pounds. He's like, Dad, Major weighs eighty five. He weighs eighty five pounds. But I've been forgetting. I've been forgetting. I've been forgetting. Listen, Booker. Everybody bends the rules a little bit, but it's all about just not saying anything. Okay, but I just forgot. Anyways, the lady do- uh, the lady in the lobby was very nice. That's good. Yes, uh, she was very understanding, but it could have gone the other way. You could have gotten someone who is a real stickler for the rules booker. And, and a jerk. Mm-hmm. And a jerk, yes, that could have happened. Well, we, we, I missed you last time you were at Harvard. I think I was out of town, so you didn't get to visit us ah, at the media yes, lab. Yes, yes. So anyways, so uh, for, your, for your pleasure, you may call in your being a 15-year-old questions. You may call in your Nastasia the Hammer Lopez questions. You may call in your customer Booker and Dax customer service questions. Then that's Sears all or spins all related. By the way, any uh, up, update from Amazon? Yeah, I'm how's that getting... doing? No. No? <laughs> still uh, afraid on... of running out so of stock. So literally they've sold <laughs> over half of their current stock in back orders, and they won't just ship them. What have they told you, Matt? A lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, yeah. anything specific? No. no just hey, we can't, uh, we can't sell them because if we sold them, we run out. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, not Tr- good. Truly yeah, infallible logic. Logistical geniuses yeah. there, yeah. <laughs> or call in your sensory and or MIT media lab related or, uh, you know, uh, you know, chromatography flavor, or flavor, chemistry, ecology. Uh, any of those questions uh, to Ariel? 2 That's oh. 718-497-2128. Uh, and Dave, just if, if we get a caller in, just you know, interrupt me, whatever, and we'll figure it out. I always do. Uh, but uh, are we allowed to talk about the thing we just did the other week or not? Yeah, sure. All right, so I participated in a... By the way, this fits with the Harvard. Hogo. Hogo. When tasting rums, you must taste for hogo. Uh, anyway, so like, uh, you want to describe hogo? Well, hogo is one word that people use for the kind of funky taste of funky rums. What's another one? Funk. Yeah, but funk is funk, so grassy. Funk is not. It's, uh, it's not really grass, though. Well, I mean, like, so so me, part part yeah. of the problem part of yeah. the problem is that the, we have this word hogo and funk, but 
uh, it's not not a lot of consensus about like what sort of more specific flavors. It Ray and Nephews to. and Smith and Cross, right? Yeah, so you we just know say Ray, Ray and Nephews, tastes like Smith Ray and Nephews, Smith and Cross. If it tastes like that or smells like that, if it's in that ballpark, hold pot, no? pot still Jamaican rums, yeah. rum fire, rum agricoles right. from outside of Jamaica. Things but that that's are like, more of that the grassy, use, like, whole sugar cane. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So is so the question that we are asking is 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 funk localized to just one thing or is like grassy funk adjacent? Like what is funk? Like funk is just I mean, to me t- more technically unless you're saying something is funky in the James Brown sense. And by the way, Dax yesterday was like uh, talking about dancing. I was like, "Have you seen James Brown's dance moves?" He was like, no, I'm like, this is this is why your generation is doomed to failure. And so I showed him like a bunch of James Brown moves, and he was like, "Oh my God, James Brown is like amazing." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." And I, so there's that kind of like that funk, yeah, right, which right. comes from kind of funk meaning stinky, but like more of an animal stink, more like mm-hmm. an arm pity, sweaty, bo, civet cat stink is really technically when you say fu- like funk, mm-hmm. it's like animal funk, mm-hmm. barnyard funk Mm -hmm. you know what i mean not like grab i mean like you know what i'm saying it's like funky that's why funky i don't like funky like hogo means rum related like flavors that are hard to describe like smith and cross and like ray nephews right but so so if right now the best we can do is hogo it's funky you know it's like that thing but not like a specific flavor then that's not a very satisfying definition of hogo smith and cross isn't a specific flavor and Ray it ha- it has specific, specific flavors. Flavor. Yeah, but like, so when someone says, this one smells of apricots, mm-hmm. like that's valid, but somehow this rum smells like Smith and Cross is not valid? Well, so if it smells like Smith and Cross and it smells like Ray and Nephew and it smells like rum fire, then there's probably some platonic yeah, right. higher well, hey, level I don't flavor there's above no platonic, that that unifies them. Ain't no platonic anything. Remember, love is writing, hate <laughs> is philosophy. Plato. Uh, but the... Uh, the uh, great writer. Love reading that stuff. Truly. It's, he's completely, like, you know, bat bat poop crazy. The world is a cave and everyone is just watching projections on the cave wall. I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, like it's like everyone's like, but don't you believe in the platonic? No, there is no, there is no dog. Okay. There is no, there is no chair. No, all right, it's garbage. All right, spoon. Dave, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Mm. All right, I'm, I'm all down. I'm down with useful. But back to this other thing. But that's why people say, uh, instead of apricot, they're like, stone fruit. <laughs> yeah, but there are... But, okay, so let's say you're smelling a glass of wine and it smells like stone fruit. Right. Like, there are sensory percepts in common between that glass of wine and a stone fruit. And, in fact, usually chemistry in common between the two. Yes, agree. Right, but but when someone's going to describe it, like, do you actually anticipate, because I've seen this happen, where someone's like, (laughs) hexanol. I mean, like, or do you expect someone to be like... Hey, this smells like I mean, grassy. I mean, in other words, like, what do you what What's the goal for What's the goal for tasters? Like, that's that's what I'm trying to say. So, in other words, to me, like, you want to instruct a bartender think, on how to taste this stuff. You're like, taste Smith and Cross, taste Ray and Nephew. Well, I think I think using the word grassy and everyone meaning roughly the same thing when they say grassy is the most useful thing. Like, probably there'll be some hexanol if they smell something grassy, right, right. but. It could be something else similar, right? It, you know, there's other like yeah, many, six right? carbon aldehydes yeah. and alcohols D- and that's my next band. Esters. <laughs> Esther Esther Williams is always playing in the background, <laughs> and it's six six carbon aldehyde is the band, right? Anyway. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. 
So anyway, so we were doing, you were doing a test to see whether people could distinguish these things, right? Well, a preliminary test trying to, to see if, if funk and hogo is a driver of separating rums from each other sensorially. Was so, it? Well, I'm still analyzing mm. data, Dave. So, <laughs> so we, we're, we're in this group of, uh, I don't know, like whatever, 20, 20? Ish. We'll yeah. say it's 20. More than uh, a dozen. Yeah. More than a less dozen, than less than 50. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so uh, we're in this tasting thing and Ariel goes, there's no wrong way to group these. You can group these things any way you want. And then when I grouped them, she's like, oh, that's that's the wrong way. No, you no, group no, no, those no. things wrong. <laughs> there's <laughs> no wrong way to group them, but you can't have overlapping groups. Well, that's the way I, I grouped them in overlapping no, groups, groups Ariel. Are distinct. Groups are distinct. You know, it's funny. She's like no Venn diagrams. In, no Venn diagrams. When I was in when I was in grad school studying these techniques, um, one of my professors was saying, you know, like we like to do, expert panels are like fun to do, but like expert winemakers sometimes make like the worst panelists because they're bad at following instructions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I took it as a challenge right beforehand. <laughs> I was like, I knew that I would do it somehow wrong, and indeed I did. All right, that's why we did it twice. Yeah, the, the test the test you like so nice, you did it twice. Uh, okay, by the way, uh, before we leave today, because I know it's approaching Thanksgiving, so I'm going to go into my pre-Thanksgiving spiel, because we only have, what, one more show before Thanksgiving? Two. We're going to do a show on the Tuesday before? I think so. Okay. We're, we're open, so it's up to you. We're open. Not <laughs> open We're open, are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, you, are are, are we doing things? a pitch for Patrick's Heritage Birds, or has he sold all of his birds so much we don't even need to talk about it? I don't know. I haven't heard from that guy in a while. Really? Yeah. He's, uh, he's AWOL on his... He should be... He's AWOL MIA. He should, he should be, uh, you know, armpit deep in Heritage Birds right now. He may well be. Maybe that's why I haven't heard from him. Should be birding it up strong. Nastasia is a longtime cooker... And her mom, longtime overcooker of the Heritage Bird, right? Oh, yes. Heritage Cinders. So dry. Yeah, she's well. She's she. she the thing jerky. is, is like you either gotta take, either gotta cook it right or take it all the way to my favorite word, meat floss. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Flavor Town. <laughs> no, uh, Flavor Town. You know what? I forget uh, who did a, a, a thing on him, and then people were giving him uh, garbage for uh, helping, you know, doing stuff for uh, like a relief for the hurricane stuff. He's apparently like a super nice guy, Guy Fieri. Mm-hmm. Sure. That everyone who meets him wants to hate him, and is like, oh, he's actually like a good guy. You know what I mean? So God bless him and he, whatever he does with his flavor townness. Sure. You know, I would love to see him go do something Guy Fieri in Kyoto. He'd be like, <laughs> oh, this isn't big enough. He's like, he's like, oh, train to Subtle Town. <laughs> Like you know, like that's like Guy Fieri you, meets Randy Savage. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you? Because uh, I don't really watch the show, so I can't really do his voice. Like in, in my mind, I'm picturing the hair, but I, I'm just using that voice. But you and know the, what I mean? The, fa- the face stuffing. Is, yeah, is subtle town. Special. Yeah. So Have it you just ever takes, seen like, the big handfuls of like cod sperm poached in dashi? And, like, <laughs> yeah. It. No, but but the dashi, remember, is like basically flavorless dashi. If it's going to be Kyoto <laughs> style, oh, 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 pull out pull out the katsuobushi before it hits the bottom of the pot. <laughs> Welcome to Subtle Town! You know what I mean? It's like, let's put armfuls of katsuobushi in and then, like, pull it out before any flavor is extracted and then, like, you know, either, like, make a, a stock that we serve to our dogs or throw it away. Kyoto, Subtle Town. But anyway, yeah, Americans don't really buy that so much. Have you ever seen the fake menu for Guy's American Kitchen? No. It's so... F- I can't read it out loud without losing my S. Yeah? Yeah. So what, what was the acronym you used for sugar, sugar honey iced tea? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, Ooh. so I don't really know much about Guy Fieri's oeuvre, his work, but I, I, mean, you know, I, I appreciate like, him as a person. I feel like it's taking kind of... Speaking of sugar honey iced tea, in the movie Madagascar, um, the zebra uses that in, in the movie to replace the S word because Alex is about to attack him. Yeah, and it's pretty funny that Chris Rock replaced a curse word <laughs> since he yeah. is known for Chris, cursing. Chris Rock is a great actor. Yeah, nice. Right. Oh, you know, I like his voice. You know who was behind me in my anger class yesterday? Well, please li- let it be Chris Rock or or some crazy non sequitur. Let's go for it. Emma Stone. Oh, and I, and I asked girlfriend. her to describe Paul McCartney in one word, and she said "nice." And I said, "That's the only word you can think." Why didn't you even talk to her at all? Why not? What? What? Well, why would you like? Sorry. Why would you talk to anyone? Like, I, like if I go to a class, like after I'm, I asked her, you're like, "Hey, hey. I know that you're in." By the way, Nastasia goes a to a class on, to increase like, her anger. Harnessing your anger? Or? No, you just like yell and do a lot of primal scream. All right, so now yeah, I gotta like, know. Is, like she, is she good at well, yelling? That sounds like fun. Yeah. I mean, I mean she's an actress. Yelling. I'm sure she's yeah, good yeah. at yelling. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Is she uses to like? Is she have some sort of like role where she needs to yell constantly that she's practicing for? All right. Hey, you want to take a call? Uh, yes, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Dave. Yeah, I can barely hear you. Oh, and te- and tell that skid steer behind you to stop backing up, messing around. But go hey, ahead. how's it going? All right, what's up? All right, I was just calling um, Thanksgiving related. Uh, I was thinking of doing some uh, stuffed mushrooms or something or something. Uh, but I want I want a really good recipe as far as that goes. Um, maybe something something a little more edgy or uh, fresh. Hmm. Well, I mean, so like a. Like, like, are we talking appetizers here, small things? Or are we talking yeah, about turkey replacements yeah. for Hors vegetarians? Like. Hmm, I haven't thought about stuffed mushrooms in a long time. Ariel, you got any stuffed mushroom action going on? Not recently. I mean, like, the trick is, right, you know, is uh, if you, it, whenever I go mushroom, I like to go, like, super duper over the top, like, mushroom on mushroom on mushroom. So mm-hmm. I'll be, like, making, like, a... Uh, you know, you, you get your dried porcinis and you make like a porcini stock, like a hardcore porcini. St- you know, it'd be good. Hey, this would be good. What if you did a porcini risotto, like, like almost like an arancini filling, put it on top and then fried those suckers. That would be delicious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the trick with the... It would be pretty good. Yeah, right? The trick is, is to cook down. So the part of the mushroom that you're going to stuff into, or you could just forget the mushroom entirely and just do porcini stock. Porcini Arancini, mm. which, by the way, sounds... Oh, with the chopped up mushroom stuffing, duck cells in the middle. Boom! Boom! That is going to be delicious right there. That is going to be delicious. Porcini risotto like with, porcini like... Porcini stock with uh, the... As well as yeah, the yeah, mushrooms so, inside of the mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just do, like, risotto style. Just cook it a little bit drier. Let it set up, right? And mm. then I would put a little... Uh, I would make, like, a chop-up, like, mushroom of your choice... Not something heavy like a porcini, something light like portobello or even regular buttons. Cut them up, saute them down into like a nice, almost like a duck cells like you would use on like a beef wellington or something Mm. like this. And then uh, just like put a little bit of that in the center of the arancini ball. Take it around, you know, uh, bread, fry, and watch everyone go, oh my God, mushrooms, that's mushrooms, it's so good. So good, right? Do you think that well, sounds I was good? Thinking, it sounds you, delicious. You made me, you made me start thinking. I was thinking about um, like a uh, fall squash as well, like a squash risotto with those mushrooms, mm. uh, 
with like some chicken skin on top or something like Ooh, that. Be, you know what my Ooh, mom or- used to make? That's just totally separate. She used to make a uh, a a pumpkin based lasagna. So mm. not a red sauce, a pumpkin based sauce. And so it's it's fundamentally it's like a pumpkin soup with with ricotta and you know parmigiano. And to to tighten it up, she would toss into the sauce cavatelli along with the pasta sheet so that it wouldn't get too loose. Wow. That yeah. sounds delicious. It all was, right. and she put mushrooms in, so it yeah, all ties together. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. All right, so go ahead. Squash, yeah? What do you got for me? You, you're going to do squash uh, uh, risotto? I was saying, like a squash puree inside the um, risotto, like kind of finish it off, and then uh, with the porcinis and stuff, um, and then top it all off with some uh, crispy chicken skin That's for a crunch. I love, I love myself some crispy chicken skin. I think people who don't like crispy chicken skin, they, they have some issues. They have some, like, you know, non-cooking issues. They have more, like, mental issues. There are people who don't eat chicken. Everybody is entitled to their opinion. That is not true, Booker. <laughs> Everyone is entitled to their opinion. You should know better. It's it, the, the actual Except correct statement. Chicken skin. Yeah, the correct statement is everyone's <laughs> entitled to their incorrect opinion. That's That's <laughs> what you're allowed to say. Like, if you don't eat chicken skin, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, you're a vegetarian, like, you know, whatever. You grew up slaughtering chickens for a living and you just can't look at them anymore. Uh, you know, whatever, yeah. You raise chickens for fighting and you think that using them for food is beneath the chicken. Great. But it's hard to argue that crispy chicken skin is delicious. I mean, because it just is. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, tw- uh, if you make any of this stuff, please uh, tweet back on uh, at Cooking Issues and let mm. us know how it worked out. Oh, with, with the risotto? Yeah, absolutely with the risotto so like you like add wine into it as you're as you're kind of stirring and sauteing it if you take some dried porcinis rehydrate them in the wine and then use the like mushroom wine it'll be really good Ooh, i like that so i'm gonna play the part of nils norin like you know who i used to work with at the french culinary studio i've talked to him recently nils norin his favorite fun fact was that all of the porcinis i can't do a nils norin accent right now i haven't worked up to it but like all the porcinis come from sweden and then are shipped back to Italy and sold as Italian porcinis to the Swedes. Wow. I can buy that. Yeah. Yeah, we used to get like a ton in Denmark, like wild forage. And Denmark's like fake Sweden now that it they're is, all famous. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'd get them straight from Sweden. So Although correct me if I'm wrong, them... Denmark is Sweden plus pigs. <laughs> right? And, and it's flat. And it's flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well there's a there's a famous there's a famous like story that um, sometimes the Swedish police will like pull over a driver in Sweden and they'll like talk to the talk to the motorist and be like, oh man, this guy's definitely drunk. And then they'll realize he was just speaking Danish. <laughs> well, Danish sounds more German than anyway, whatever. <laughs> Why are we getting this? I'm just making fun of Denmark because they're riding high on a culinary cloud right now so they can take it. You know what the, I mean? Uh, the Danish word I'm for porcini is Karl Johans Svampa. Wait, Karl Johans Svampa? Svampa's mushroom. And who's this Karl Johans? It's dude? his mushroom. Yeah. yeah, but who is he? Who's Carl Johans? The, the dude with mushrooms. That's crazy, crazy country. Can't believe, can't believe that that exists. Anyway, Dave, were you saying something? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get to some other cooking stuff. Uh, so, okay, no information on the Sears all other than that Amazon has quite enough of them. And, how, Nastasia, how many do we have on the water? 24. They should be there, but they're not. Sears all on the water. But how, like, there's under 2,400 on the water? Well, they should be there. They should be on land, on dry land. In, but they're not. But they're not. No. Okay. Uh, Spinzols. We still have Spinzols in stock and uh, in uh, Modernist Pantry, so you can get them there. And then hopefully by the Thanksgiving time, we'll have them on Amazon. Who the heck knows, right? We're supposed to get another five, 600 in by the end of the year. 
uh, I was doing some spins all work yesterday on, you ready for it? Durian. Mm. I was spinning some Ugh. durians. It has a horrible stench. Yeah, so I went and bought a durian. So uh, I've said this before on the air that uh, I had this kind of amazing moment years ago when I made a durian custard in a pressure cooker strictly by accident. So durian, speaking of funk, animal-based funk, right? Uh, animal-like funk. funk. Fruit-based funk. funk. Yeah, but with the notes, it, it's, a, it's a fruit that smells like it's got an animal-y thing to yeah. it. Yeah, right. Sulfur compounds in the case of durian, I think, I right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and so as, as everyone who thinks about this knows, like sulfur compounds, very reactive, weird things happen, right? In general, a lot of these very reactive. Yes, yes. yes. So that's why uh, when you pressure cook things that have sulfur compounds in them, they change radically. Often they mellow. So mm -hmm. mustard seeds, mellow. Onions, all alliums, completely mellow out in the, uh, in the pressure cooker. Uh, Well-known fact, um, it happens. Uh, and so what I, you know, what I once pressure cooked a durian because I was like, oh, this smells like it's sulfury stuff. Let me throw the durian into the pressure cooker. And the issue is durian is so thick that it... And stinky. Yes, that it cooks down and it caramelize, literally caramelizes, not like in the Maillard, not in the Maillard sense, like because the temperature actually gets higher than right, it, you literally is, pyrolyze the. It turns the sugar slightly. turns brown. Yeah, yeah, and there's also put there's also. But anyway, so let me get into it. So so so, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it now that I have the spins all. I'm gonna try to clarify the durian so it doesn't scorch when you're reducing it. Mm. And so I went and bought a durian, which by the way they're expensive. They're super expensive. They're not cheap. They're super expensive. Yeah. I got 500 grams of pulp out of like a... How much did that weigh, Booker, that durian that we bought? Uh, five pounds? Yeah. But it seems way heavier because of the spikes. Yeah. Anyway, so I opened the durian and immediately Booker's like, Oh! <laughs> and then I start blending the durian pulp. And by the way, durian is so... Uh, durian has like some sort of stuff in it that makes it incredibly custardy. It like hmm. it's got an amazing custardy texture, so it didn't break at all. So then I added some water to it, uh, and it still didn't break at all. So I'm blending it, and Booker's like, "Oh!" And then I throw it into the spinzol, and I start spinning it, and Booker's like, and he was actually cursing. I told him specifically beforehand when we were talking about the durian that he was not allowed to curse on the air because it's a family show, but what were you saying without using curses, Booker, what were you saying about the durian yesterday? It had I was like it ing stinks in here. And he was like, he's like, he's like, I want to go get nose clips. I'm gonna, so anyway, so then then this guy knocks on my door and he, he's like we're looking, and okay, so for those of you that don't know, uh, my building has been without gas because, like, some idiot put a screwdriver through the main gas line to the building, like, you know, a couple of months ago. And once you put a gas, once you ruin the gas line, they shut off gas to the whole building. And then they have to check every individual line, branch, and fixture individually before they turn it back on. A resident did this or a worker? A worker. Oh, but my, my building is, is three, elevator three elevator banks, 20 floors each bank, right? So it's big building. And so it took them, it's, I don't even know if they started, it's weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to get the permit, right? Because someone's got to stamp the permit and Jeez. then they have to test everything. So we might, we potentially still are months away from having gas. So this guy comes to the door and he's like, uh, someone's complaining that there might be a gas leak <laughs> up here. I was like, I was like, and I, you know, I went back into my New York mode. So I'm like, 
Gas leak. There's no gas in the whole building. In the whole building, there's no gas. How can there be a gas leak? He's like, oh yeah, maybe they meant over in the in the in the other building. And he leaves. I was like, hey, it was a durian. It smells like just like gas. And so like when Jen, when my wife got home, she was like, oh my god, it was so bad when I was spinning the stuff at night. That uh, it was so bad I was spinning the stuff at night that Jen literally woke up like the stench woke her up <laughs> from a sound sleep. And she came out to try to like find out like what the he- holy hell is going on in in our uh, apartment. It's like but, smelling salts. Yeah, but it's a sign of a good durian, right? That it, it stinks like this. And now here's the messed up part. So it turns out durian has some sort of proteinaceous something in the juice, even once it's treated with SPL. Is that what makes it stink? I don't know actually uh, mm. where the sulfur stuff is. What makes it stink? I don't know. But the the, the smell itself is probably not a protein booker, but the um, I don't know what it is, to be honest. It could be enzymatically derived from an amino acid. Oh, there you go. Well, you know, that's why you should bring a real scientist on well, when you talk. I mean, why, why are the acids so mean? The What, what? amino acids? Yeah. <laughs> They're so mean <laughs> to your nose. They're so uh, mean <laughs> to your oh, nose. Oh, I get it. Ah, oh, very strong. That's Is that your first chemistry joke? <laughs> One of them. Yeah. Nice so, nice yeah, nice no, strong. Uh, Ariel will use that in the future. I will. So, uh, anywho, this is what I say, you know, like father, like son. Yeah. Anyway, I wish I could come up with something like that. So, here's the point. So, it didn't clarify uh, very well. So, I pressure cooked the juice that was left over. And unfortunately, the gaskets in my Kuhn Recon are gone. And so, it, it leaks steam a little bit and it reduced over the 45 minute pressure cooking. And when I opened it, it had characteristic clotting like you get when you pressure cook milk, which means that it was a protein. There was hmm. a protein in it that clotted together. It denatured. Yeah, formed like a raft, almost like a, a you know, like you know those milk cookies that they, those like milk protein, like when you cook down like Indian oh, like Swiss. milk skins. Yeah, yeah, but like crunchy. Anyway, so it formed that and a really good caramelized durian juice that I had killed the funk on, but it was a little over. It tasted a little burnt. It was mm. maybe like. You know when you take something like and you take it five degrees too high and it just tastes a little bit burnt, so it's like still okay, but it's like oh, I wish it wasn't that, like that. Yeah. Then I took the durian puree, put it that was left over from the spinning, which was very smooth, obviously because it was in a spinzol. Then I pressure cooked that in a container in water, mm-hmm. and it killed the smell and it was actually quite good. Hmm. Didn't didn't brown as much because it wasn't reducing. It was in a water bath. Mm-hmm. The pressure but so anyway, so preliminary success, but I'm not going to do that in my house again. And Jen, I was like, <laughs> Jen's like, when you open the new bar, Dave, how the hell are you going to do this? Everyone's going to, you can't cook durian in your freaking, because my goal is to have, I want to make a durian old fashioned. So if you take the kind of like nice fruity notes of a durian and remove enough of the offensive kind of uh, funk stuff such that it's not off-putting, which the syrup is not, but it's mm-hmm. still characteristically durian. If you can do that, it would make a fantastic, like, old-fashioned with, like, a pineapple garnish. Mm. Like, you know, like a... You take, like, a lillet infusion into pineapple, garnish that with, like, a whiskey old-fashioned with the durian syrup, everybody wins. But Jen's like, no one will step foot in your freaking bar <laughs> if it's not... And I have to admit, even I was like my eyes were watering with the stench a little bit. I was like, man, because when it's spinning, right, when it's spinning, when you're blending it, you're volatilizing all that stuff. And when mm-hmm. you're spinning, you're volatilizing all that stuff. So anyway, that was my durian. And Booker was like, I need clothespins, Dad, to shut my nose. You're, you're not being very, uh, what's the word, understanding, were you, Booker? But it smelled terrible. 
the- I promised I wouldn't swear on the radio. <laughs> You're doing good. I, yeah. Um, you said what did you say? So I yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. You can. It's okay. It's okay to hold back. Anyways, you want to take a call? Sure, caller. You're on the air. Hey, Dave, Ariel. It's Nick Devlin in the UK. Hey, hey. how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. I have a Dave. I have a Hustino related question for you. Ah, yes. Yeah, um. Uh, we're making uh, uh, a Manhattan-style drink with uh, a peach-infused rye uh, that we're then batching and then holding, uh, pre-diluting batching and then holding at minus five Celsius in the freezer. And it's going cloudy. Hmm. After how long? If you had any thoughts. After how long? Immediately or... or, or... Uh, hmm. Uh, a week, two weeks, and then because we're trying to batch in, in reasonable size volumes, but right, and it's just peaches, booze, dry, vermouth, dry peaches, booze, pectinex, uh, and then uh, cocky americano. Okay, um, yeah. So typically, um, I have ascribed uh, reclouding in um, spun liquors to uh, a couple of things. In in protein basings, it's typically um, protein aggregation. So protein that is solubilized, like whey protein, for instance, will aggregate over time in the presence of alcohol, lose its solubility, and flock out, and then settle, right? Mm-hmm. So in milk washing mm-hmm. situations, that's typically what's going on. That's not what's going on in this situation because uh, there's not that much protein in the peach uh, that wouldn't spin out when you're spinning it out. I think what's happening is dried, like fully dried fruits like peaches, fully dried fruits like apricots have so much pectin in them that um, even during the spin out, I think there's probably some residual pectin. Pectin is also unstable in the presence of alcohol and over time will join to create a haze or a cloud. I've had that happen making like bitters before with like citrus peel. Right. So what I would recommend uh, is uh, hit it with Pectinex again, uh, and that okay. sh- that should kill any of the residual unless it's unless it's been functionalized so much that the Pectinex can't attack it anymore, hmm. and then see whether it settles out on you. If it settles out, I would say it's it's most likely a pectin haze. That m- most likely. I mean, it's in fact I think I an- I don't remember whether I answered it or not. Uh, so I'm going to talk about it again later, but. Nastasi, I answered that pectin question last week, the person who had the quince problem. Yeah. I answered it. I'll say probably a little bit more about it. But pectin and alcohol is very uh, interesting. And, you know, um, it's a well-known test of pectin uh, that it will uh, it will aggregate and gel in the presence of um, alcohol. I don't know, frankly, what the temperature relation is on that, whether the freezer is – I mean, I assume it is accelerating. It. I assume it desolubilizes it because pectin gets less soluble as it gets colder. Yeah, and if it's actually frozen, you'll be like preferentially freezing the water, and the pectin will be more exposed to the alcohol. Right. Do you think that could be something? Especially if it's already pre-diluted, it's at a low ABV. It could be, mm. definitely. Um, also, remember, in a brown... So, when you say it hazes, when it warms back up, does it unhaze, or does it stay cloudy when it warms it, back up? It, it unhazes. Ah! So... Ah, that is a oak polyphenol phenomenon, probably. So all brown oh. liquors, when they're over-chilled, haze, and mm-hmm. then when they warm up, they'll uncloud. So That's how chill filtering works. Yeah. So, um, And it 
could be that the combination of the peach and the thing somehow clouds at a different temperature than just regular Manhattans alone. But I used to, at the bar, use as a visual indication of the correct drinking temperature that uh, it went, it goes from being cloudy back to being clear. And, you know, that corresponds not because of a physics reason, but just because it happens to correspond to the proper, the, the coldest proper temperature at which I'll serve a Manhattan. So, um, also like if you're at, if your freezer is minus five, that's a very special freezer. You're using a dipper, uh, like an ice cream dipper freezer or something like that. Cause most, most freezers are going to be rocking around minus 20 Celsius. Oh no, we just, we just jerry rigged it with a, with a PID controller to, to turn it on and off. So it. It, it's not, Absolutely minus five, but it hovers between so it'll, so it'll minus four and, and minus five and a half. Because minus five shouldn't cloud. Minus five should still be mm. not cloudy. Um, mm. So it's it's <clears> interesting <throat> to me that um, it could, it, you know, it's interesting to me that that happens. It could be like some combination of the oak and the, I mean, they're different phenomena. And I don't know, I mean, Ariel know much better whether those phenomena have any sort of interaction uh, pectin hazing versus the polyphenol, like the oak. Where, what's, it's, I don't know what it really is, but why? It's oak elagitanins. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, do those, would, would they interact with the pectin in any way? To uh, form larger complexes that would cloud at a higher temperature? I'm, I'm not sure. I know that they interact with protein a right. lot, but like, that's how astringency works. Um, I would have to look into that more. Do you remember the old detergent ad, Protein Gets Out Protein? No, I don't. It was one of those stupid <laughs> things. Protein gets out protein. They were like trying to tell you that this 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 detergent had protein in it, presumably some sort of enzymatic garbage that it had yeah. in it. And they were like, and protein gets out protein. Like that has meaning. That's like, have you seen this? There's this, uh, there's this advertisement. I forget what it's for. I don't know. Let's say it's like moderate to severe plaque psoriasis because I have no idea. I can't keep track of all the medicines that are advertised on TVs these days. Yeah. It's always moderate to severe something. Moderate to severe something. And they're like, because six is greater than one. We act on six things. The other one acts on one. Six, by the way, greater than one. That's why I love advertising. They're like written by people who have no idea what's going on with the actual product. I love advertisements written by people that have no understanding of the underlying action of what they're doing. Don't you? Love it. By the way, Nick Devlin is our ComSol and uh, our our differential, our partial differential equation modeling expert. Did you know that? Experts pushing it, but um... I, I knew he was like a physics person. He's a uh, sustainable energy house uh, person, like right, trying to make right, your, like heat modeling. Trying to make and and Nick, correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Most uh, most people uh, try to go too high tech when they're doing that and don't don't just do the simple things to make their houses more efficient. Isn't that what you told me? Yeah, that's exactly... You were listening. Yes. Yes. That could be <laughs> said of so, so many things in life. Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we met up in person in Edinburgh, I was functionally asleep. So it probably looked as though everyone was speaking to a mannequin because I was just kind of like sitting erect. But I was, in fact, absorbing information. By the way, for those of you who don't know me, that's the only function that I have on Earth is I absorb information and then later can spit it back out. So... Anyway, so yeah, so for those of you that are like, you know, thinking about spending eight zillion dollars on whatever system to make your house more efficient, you probably haven't done the simple stuff. That's yeah. that's often true. Yeah. yeah. I find, by oh, the way, right. Nick, I same will, thing with cooking. Um, I'll have a bit. So when you were talking about hitting it again with Pectinex, are you, do you think in the diluted state or, or uh, when I've 
spun the booze out the first time and then hit it again with pectin and, or just wait, chill, chill it and see what happens? Or Does the booze on its own cloud? No. I mean, sometimes on some batches, we sometimes see a small amount of haze. Um, okay. Not, not to me, that the, that the booze on its own does not cloud leads me closer to the, um, the, uh, the oak based stuff being the problem because uh, the clouding on an oak-based liquor gets worse and worse at lower temperatures when it's more and more diluted up to a point because the those those tannin things that I don't know what the hell they are that Ariel was talking about uh, are, are less soluble in water yeah, than, than in alcohol. alcohol yeah. And so uh, they have a tendency to complex um, more in the, well, reversibly comp, whatever the hell is doing to make them cloud up mm -hmm. uh, in the freezer at dilution than pure. That's why you can stick a bottle of uh, bourbon in the freezer and it's, or rye in the freezer and it's fine. And then once you make a Manhattan and put it in the freezer, it clouds. I don't, so if the booze doesn't do it on its own, it sounds like in, maybe the pectin is ha making it happen at a slightly warmer temperature than it otherwise would, but it sounds like you're really at a, a temperature-based, reversible temperature-based issue that has to do with the oak. That's my guess. But hit it with pectin, either before, pectinex, either before or after, and just see. I would just do a small test and, and, and see. It's a real hassle to have well, to re-spin stuff, but... Empiricism always trumps theory, so... Yes, that's true. Yeah. And that, but, and that also goes back to, you know, what we are saying about how people don't do the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. Same thing happens in cooking. People, oh, like... Yeah. All these complex theories, and as Nastasia says, just go in the kitchen and do it. Why don't yeah. you just do it? Yeah. Why are you asking me all this theoretical yeah. stuff? Why don't you just go cook it? Yeah. And see what happens. How many times you said it to so me? So many times. So many times. So many times. So many times. All right, you want to take a break? All right, all right, Nick. Good to hear from you. We're going to take a break. Okay, guys. All right, come back with more cooking issues. Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. When you mill whole grains, you get all three parts of the seed, the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. The endosperm is the main energy storage unit of the seed. That's where the growing plant gets its energy before it can start photosynthesizing and making its own. It makes up a huge portion of the grain, about 83%, and it's the main source that's used for white flour. When you make white flour, you get rid of the germ and the bran and just have the white endosperm left. It contains almost all the carbohydrates. It also contains protein and iron and some of the other B vitamins as well. It's kind of what you classically think of when you're thinking of flour. So all that's there when you're milling with whole grains, but when you mill with whole grains, you also get the bran, which is the kind of roughage and gives that, that's what gives that, that kind of color to it. Also gives you extra fiber that uh, helps you to be regular. And you also get the germ, which adds the fat and the flavor, which we all like from whole grains. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. And we're back. We got uh, we got uh, Booker, we got Ariel, we got Matthew. Well, the Matthew, you haven't been saying much. Say a word. Say something. I'm between the mics. It's hard. Between the mics. Yeah. Nice. All right. So between two mics. Between two mics. <laughs> so we had a question in from. Uh, hey, you know what? Ariel might know about this. Mm. It's good. I think I might have addressed it a little bit last week, but we'll readdress it since uh, Ariel's here. Kyle writes in about uh, cocktail aging. By the way, before we leave, we'll talk Thanksgiving. Just remind me when we have like a little bit of time left, we'll do, we'll do Thanksgiving. 
Uh, I've been intrigued by, uh, I think we did do this, by sous vide low temp method of mimicking the effects of cocktail aging. Uh, I've recently started tinkering with the concept uh, with mixed results. I'm aware that Tony Cagliaro has been doing this technique for many years and more recently has produced a line of bottled Negroni. What do you think about using Negroni as its own plural there, bottled Negroni? What an American would say Negronis. Mm-hmm. But it, so the Negroni is named after a person named Negroni. Okay, well, yeah, but Italian lady, Nastasia. Like, well, if it's a last name, then it would be Negronis, right? Like, if it was a Negroni family, the mm-hmm. Italians would still say, well, it doesn't matter, they wouldn't say. They'd be like, what's up with but those Negronis? Yeah. There's no Negrono. Right. There's no Negrono. Negroni is the singular. Well, maybe you should come up with a Negrono. <laughs> Do you think, I don't think anyone would order that. Uh, excuse me, one Negroni is a Negrono, <laughs> and I'll have one with my Panino when I go to Harvard. Right? I mean, it's like, Negrono. anyone who says Panino, by the way, what are your thoughts on that? I would like a Panino. Like, have you ever seen it? I've seen it happen, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I sh- <laughs> Since when am I the great populist? It's not how I am, but what I'm saying is, like, I mean, a little bit, I guess, but, you know, I just think it's weird when someone says it. It's like, it's similar to how for years I resisted using whatever Starbucks Starbucks was trying to tell me to order the sizes. I would Oh, like a grande? I would always say 18. I would like a small. Mm-hmm. I would say or like my classic one with because well, I only really get espressos all I get. I was like I will have a double espresso. They're like dopio double. <laughs> dopio double. And we see how many times we can go back and eventually both of us would just stand in silence staring at each other and the coffee would appear. But no one would give up. I feel like War there's situations where you're technically right, but you're a jerk because you're wasting the time of a person who's underpaid to deal with you. Why not do it in crowded places? No, but the thing is, but apparently... But wasting your time because they want you to like just use their vocabulary? Yeah, well, but I don't want to be forced into some stupid... First of all, they're all Americans. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be forced into using some dumb... That's what I'm saying. I'm taking your side. No, yeah. but I'm saying that, like, the clerk doesn't make that rule. They probably have to say that. But, like, like, paid, like, so, uh, uh, well, let me like take $8 an hour to, like, take argue her... with you about, yeah, so, like, right. what their, like, corporate is making them say. So, in her mind, here's, here's what happens. He's like, I come up. She's like, please not, please not, please not. <laughs> not, have not, a double not es- that I'll, guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a double espresso. <gasps> Dopio. <laughs> like that? Because she knows she has to go through it? Like, I feel like, a little worse for her. Lord, but. Lord give me strength. Oh, but let me ask you a question. What is your feeling on allowing yourself to get... Pu- Look, the Starbucks Corporation has made a, made a decision you don't enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. You're, not so, you're not so angry about it that you won't hand them your cash. But you don't like it, right? Your only point of interface is with this person. So she is bearing the brunt of it, but I mean... What else it's are you not, supposed to do? Own, you could write a letter. Write a letter? Or tweet at them. Tweet? Yeah, when you tweet at airlines, when you're, like, delayed or there's some other problem, they'll usually respond That's true. Faster. Companies are responsive these days. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It, I mean, it's a, it's a greater problem of, like, the... What if you say to them, I understand this is not your problem and you're just saying what you have to say, but I will only say double. And they'll say, I understand, but I have to say this. Well, you could say you could say double espresso, and she says dopio espresso, and you both know what each other is talking about, and you can be, like, okay with that. Mm, it's kind right. of like if you're in Montreal, and, like, you're speaking English to a clerk, and they're speaking French back at you, and you both speak, like, slowly enough that you know what the other is saying, but neither of you is, like, such a jerk that you're going to insist that one says one the other way. 
You're like a you're like a, a diplomat here. I like it. I like it. Ariel the diplomat. So anyway. model you in. Yeah. Uh, so Tony has been. Person uh, that's ever said that about. So we're back. To, we're back to Negronis. Remember where we started. Aging Negronis. Remember everyone. Remember where we started. Tony has produced a line of bottled Negroni that have undergone gentle circulation at low temperature for an unspecified amount of time to ideally to produce a more mellow and subtle, 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 subtle town. We're going to subtle town, subtle beverage. Uh, Do you have any suggestions as to time and temperature for circulating stirred and or built cocktails when the intent is to mimic the effects of classic bottle aging? By the way, built cocktails shouldn't age that much because... You haven't really changed the proof appreciably, and you're not adding any wine-based stuff. So I don't think they'll change as radically. A built cocktail is not going to change as radically unless the syrup is fruit-based or has something that's going to move, right? So, like, certain things move and certain things don't move. Like, uh, straight-aged distillates that are just distillates that have been aged tend, after they've been bottled, to move not very much. Say it's true? Mm. They don't move very much. Maybe they move, but not a lot. You know what I mean? Uh, whereas Slowly, yeah. things that have anything that is uh, anything that's still reactive, like mm-hmm. fruits or any non-distillate-based stuff, you know, that they tend to move when they're in a bottle and can be changed by the temperature at which they're stored, the time at which they're stored, the oxygen level above the bottle. Blah 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 blah. Um, blah 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 blah. Anyway. Uh, do we have any times, uh, temperatures? Also, do you leave some air in the bag when circulating to allow for mild oxidation or pull a vacuum and remove all air? My first attempt was, I believe, at too low a temperature or too short of a duration to produce notice- noticeable results. It was at 48C. My second trial was too high because the bag ballooned up and I was concerned about it popping at 58C. It really shouldn't balloon at 58. Eh. Any suggestions or thoughts would be greatly appreciated, Kyle. So, first of all, like, heating... Want, so there's wine in a Negroni, so I would mm-hmm. imagine that heating it is going to produce more matterized, oxidized kind of notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the oxygen, what do you think? Yes. But I what agree. do you think? Any any uh, suggestions as to time or temperature or anything like that? And what do you think the primary uh, thing of a jig is with the with the bottle aging these things? The primary like axis of change. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you like I mean, but force bear in mind, heated? Bear in mind, so if you're adding, you're adding vermouth, like that's already somewhat oxidized. Yes, but we all know what happens to vermouth when you like. Right, it run. can be too oxidized. What what causes the peanut peanutty flavor of like oxidized martini and Rossi, like the classic crappy oxidized overused vermouth peanut taste? I, I, I want to say acetaldehyde, but that's. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. It's nasty. I don't like it. Yeah. Do you like it? Not really. Yeah. And it's turned me off of Martini and Rossi, which other people seem to still like. But, like, mm. the the growing up with that kind of half-open crap bottle of, yeah. Yeah. has ruined the whole that whole thing for me. Right. But, so, but you, would you still agree that the main axis of change is the vermouth? It has to be, right? Well, you know what, though? Campari moves in the presence of acid. Hmm. I know this for I a fact. I can believe that. Like, in the presence of acid, Campari gets much more intensely bitter over time. Hmm. Now, the not that much acid present. It's just the acid, the fruit acid from the vermouth. Right. But... But uh, still, like, a reasonable amount of acid. Right. What are your thoughts on forced uh, temperature aging in wines? Uh, who does that? 
people. So there's a famous guy whose name escapes me because mm-hmm. he was famous in the 1980s who uh, had an amazing wine cellar, and his wine cellar was always at a fairly high, constant, but Mm -hmm. high temperature. Mm -hmm. And his argument was that his wines just aged faster than people who stored their wines in normal cellar temperatures. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he did a bunch of side-by-sides. That's why rums age faster in the Caribbean than scotches do in Scotland. In yeah, Dar- it's cold in, in Scotland. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. But but and why and why you can have a longer aged Scotch than you can a bourbon. Although mm-hmm. bourbon's also newer barrels, so there's more mm-hmm. extractives. It's a double whammy, yeah. as we say True. en français. But the well, I mean, so the the Arrhenius equation says that for every ten, I might be butchering this, but ten degrees Celsius raise in temperature, you'll double the rate of chemical reactions that are happening. Yeah, I mean, roughly, right? Yeah, to the, on and, that order. Yeah. On that order. Well, yeah. that's what this guy was arguing. But so the p- point is, the, the the problem is, is that not everything shifts at the same time. Right. So you can't sh- you can't sh- you can't speed shift most cooking uh, things because they're too complicated because the rates well, there's, don't there's, all trace a hundred percent because no, it's only the, first order correct. The rates all increase, but not to the same degree. Bing dingo, and that's why also Linearly. W- when you're doing uh, infusions, when you change the overall infusion rate, you mm-hmm. change the you change the resultant because yeah. things don't scale. Like in, infusion rates of different compounds don't scale linearly with pressure, mm-hmm. with temperature, mm-hmm. with solvent. You know what I mean? It's, it's no. like... Anyway, my point is, if you like it, do it. If you don't like it, don't do it. <laughs> hey, we're coming to the end, so you better talk Thanksgiving. Oh, jeez oh, Louise, yeah. but I had some pectin. I had a methicillin. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way... Be thankful for what you get. Oh! <laughs> So uh, so Justin also wrote in uh, uh, a while ago with a bunch of other questions, but he was interested in doing low temperature evaporation and asked about freeze uh, freeze thaw concentration, similar to what's doing with Applejack. Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, Cuisine Solutions, you know Bruno Gusso's uh, uh, company, uh, Bruno Gusso and Crea, you know the 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 guy, the juste temp guy, you know he's like doesn't believe in low temperature, but he's in juste temp. But anyway, so he. Uh, he has this new thing, not new, but it's cryo concentration where on purpose mm-hmm. they're doing freeze thaw and they're spinning it out in things like salad spinners and whatnot, and they're doing freeze thaw concentration on uh, on stuff up to fairly high bricks, and it's, it's mm. pretty interesting. And it's it's fairly it's it's morally equivalent to freeze thaw agar clarification or freeze thaw. Um, or freeze-thaw gelatin clarification because mm-hmm. you're ex- preferentially extracting the stuff out that melts first, which is why, you know, like why... ice wine. Yeah, right, but yeah. in a non-alcohol base. Cause mm-hmm. it, and, the, and the one that actually that they use, right, the, the analogy that they use is when you buy an icy or a slushy or a slurpee mm-hmm. and you stick your straw in the bottom and just keep on a sucking without right. stirring, right. you end up with white ice mm-hmm. and all of the syrup in your mouth. So anyway, so yes, you could attempt... So I would look up... Cryo conservation mm. on the Cuisine Solutions website. Is this Thanksgiving related? Or? It is about to be Thanksgiving related. <laughs> I was I, here's my pitch. When all of you guys out there are thinking about what you're going to do for Thanksgiving, take into consideration this idea: two turkeys, two turkeys, two turkeys, two turkeys, one turkey. No, how many turkeys, Ariel? Zero. No. <laughs> Two turkeys. Two First turkeys. of all, if, you if you're going to cook a big Thanksgiving, this is for people who are going to cook a big Thanksgiving. More turkey skin. Or? 
Well, uh, that is actually is that true? Yes, you will yeah. have more turkeys. Yeah, yeah, more but, more surface uh, than next. But, the, the, but the, the, the issue here, the issue is, is that big turkeys a are more difficult to cook than small turkeys properly because mm. they're it's just it's the, the way the physics works and they take longer. But you can cook one if you're going to cook a cook a small size bird whole. Much easier to get a small turkey to be decently done, and we can talk about that later. Whether it's brining, the, just the breast via injection, whether it's low temping, mm. whatever. You need to bring a whole bird to the table because, hello. Because, because of reasons. Because of America. Because and of- then, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then issues people. But then your second turkey, you break it down into small pieces mm. and you chicken fry it. Mm. Right? And you can cut them into the same sizes that you chicken fry. And then you have a basket of chicken fried turkey. If you wanted to, you could pan off or cacciatore roast individually, whatever. But break apart one turkey and serve it piece by piece. Cook it exactly the way it wants to be cooked or rather the way you want it to be cooked but to its specification. And then just do a smaller whole roast bird that you bring to the table. And you know what? Everyone will be happy. The roast bird they can eat for, for leftovers on turkey sandwiches, which is kind of what God wants you to do with the turkey anyway because turkey sandwiches are so delicious. So anyway, so uh, more Thanksgiving questions, but take that advice when you're planning this year, cooking issues. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community.